add to what as a as a uh, and um, an, which which are which are di- uh, the um uh, the 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 all the it was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying beware of the leopard, leopard, leopard welcome leopard. to beware of the leopard your a to z of the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy i'm mark steadman and i'm sending a big hello to all the sentient life forms out there i'm danny guzner I'm John Hickman, and it's too late to worry about whether you left the gas on now. We're working our way through the H's, so let's begin with something boiling away into space. Clastromil is a star system we can see disappear into the black void of space at many ways. John, have you ever got to see something impressive destroyed? Yes, I have. Um, uh, the, I think all of us, all of us, particularly uh, the three of us, here today, we are obviously grown men, which means at some point we've been teenage boys, in which case we have seen our impressive dignity absolutely destroyed in any number of ways through any number of misadventures in our youth. Um, but if you're looking for something a little bit more, uh, well, con- concrete, um, I-, I live in Birmingham, as-, as has been mentioned many times on this on this show. Um, I-, I could tell you about the sort of year-long campaign of destruction on the Central Library, which was just heartbreaking every time you went past it, something new had gone. Um, But I'm not, I'm going to take a more positive spin on this, which is I walked out of uh, the university campus where I work yesterday and I was walking towards the city centre and I realised there was nothing on the skyline that had been there when I moved to the city 20 years ago. Um, I don't agree with all the architectural changes. I don't agree with everything that's been pulled down, but I've seen a city centre basically raised to the ground and rebuilt from scratch. And actually, that's quite, I don't know. I don't know how I felt, felt about it. I felt quite uplifted by all the newness uh, and a little bit sad about some of the, some of the goneness. Um, so, yeah, I've seen, I've seen a lot of towers blown up in my time. Can I just tag to that? Because uh, a couple of days ago, I went back to Birmingham to visit my family and I spent a couple of days in the city centre just mooching around. Mm. And I was struck how all this newness is actually just blandness. Yeah. There's, there's nothing in the city centre anymore of any interest. And if it is, it's, it's slowly being edged out. Um, I, I got incredibly sad that, um, that the, that all the shops were chain shops. And it, it, every time I go back to Birmingham, it becomes a little bit less Birmingham, a little bit more just any city in Europe, really. So I wasn't even in the I wasn't even in the shopping bit, which is more what you're talking about. This the bit I was looking at was um, you remember there was that that big big island on stilts outside the back of Toys R Us where all the buses used to go around. I can't remember what it was called, um, but that that was where I was walking under, and it wasn't there anymore. It was quite um, well, that's gone as well. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the, that road went about 10, 15 years ago, Dan, and now there's there's just nothing nothing new there anymore nothing nothing old there anymore i think it's it's not just a, a birmingham problem either it's it's happening not just in this country but around the world i mean i was in not to sort of egregiously name drop but i was in new york at the end of mm. last year and they're battling with the same things you know they've got these iconic buildings and then people are just throwing up more and more what my tour guide called monstrosities um and so this <laughs> homogenization is something that is you know, it's 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 global, just like the brands that are uh, now adorning the high street. It's sad because like culture grows in the gaps. Like mm. so, like uh, skaters take over their like parks or, or forgotten bits of of landscape or urban planning. Like clubs, like tend to congregate to empty factories, and I think that 
when you get rid of these spaces and not allow new spaces to that allow for that, we're getting rid of our culture. What That's what is nice in in the in the space that I was walking through the other day is that the the local uh, skaters have actually found a place within. The, the restructuring that's gone on in, in that immediate vicinity. Have you, I don't know if you've been down by the Woodman recently, Dan. Um, apologies to anyone who doesn't know the geography of Birmingham anymore, but that's, that's the main skate hangout in town now. Um, and so, so that, you know, the, there are, there are cracks showing and people are finding them and clinging onto them, but probably you're right. We're losing the other cracks quicker um, than, than, than anything else. So yeah. There yeah. was a city and it has been destroyed. A new city's coming up. I'll, 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 I'll try and kind of find my way to navigate it. They have one full of fucking coffee shops. How many coffee shops do we need? Like, really, how many coffee shops do we need? It's more a number. More, more, <laughs> we need more coffee shops. And guess what? N Let's plus decorate. one coffee shops. Let's decorate all the pubs to look exactly the same as <laughs> coffee shops. Yeah. That's brilliant. That's, that's fabulous. Yeah. Oh, my God, that. Dan. I, I literally this morning went to have a nice coffee on my way on my, on my way to my, I was having a haircut and there's this coffee shop on the edge of the custard factory that I've never been in before that's a kind of a bike shop and a coffee shop and <laughs> uh, what well, you know classic difference and I thought I will go there and have a nice coffee because there was no coffee in the house this morning and when I got there it had become a pub that looked like a coffee shop oh <laughs> and I was like well I never even went in there maybe that's why it had to change because I never went in there. and now it's time to cross my palm Hawalius is a planet of soothsayers. It's where Arthur met the old woman who lives in a cave and the man on a pole who uh, who he goes to to seek guidance. Danny, what's the longest distance you've ever travelled to find enlightenment and did you find it? Um, I went to India, it's been mentioned before, um, uh, but I didn't go to find enlightenment. I did go to find a gin and tonic, uh, which some people would say is very similar. Um, but yeah, enlightenment, not so much. I don't understand people that go away and try and find enlightenment. I mean, where do you expect it to be found? I don't know. You need a time machine to find the enlightenment, don't you? <laughs> <Ooh. Hey>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I went to India because, uh, I was bored and I'd never been to India, which I think is a good enough reason to do anything. <laughs> yeah. It checks out. Um, and I didn't really go to find a gin and tonic. That's just the article that I wrote and I framed it in that particular way. And I didn't even find a gin and tonic, if I'm honest. <laughs> you found dysentery. <laughs> I found uh, a number of stomach complaints and a couple of chest infections. Mm. Well, you can... you can All in all, Yeah, you can uh, seek through <laughs> the uh, Beware of the Leopard archives to uh, find out a little bit more of, uh, of Dan's particular... Um, uh, stomach complaints, um, which which are which are d- detailed in great, um, well, detail. Danny, you strike me as somebody who might know the tarot. Yeah, sorry, tarot. Yeah, was eighteen. Yeah, yeah. I thought you might. Yeah. I thought you might. You should uh, you should do a, a reading for for us at some point. But uh, so you, we need to come and find you rather than you coming and finding the sooth. Yeah. Do you know that there is such a thing as a as a business of doing tarot reads over the phone? Yeah, I've never got that. Because most of the tower reading is cold reading and mm. you need to be in the room to be able to <laughs> read those expressions on people. Sort of a bit strange, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And it'd be a lot more Barnum statements um, than cold reading. Uh, and now uh, I'm going to press this button. Oh, a light just came on that says, please do not press this button again. 
The Starship Heart of Gold is a beautiful ship shaped like a running shoe. We'll talk about the infinite improbability drive in a later episode, but I thought it might be nice to explore the ship uh, a little. Gents, what do you make of the Heart of Gold? Even given its many talking appliances, is it the kind of ship you'd want to stroll off with? Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it looks like a running shoe for starters, which is an interesting enough idea um, given that uh, what what the hell does a running shoe actually look like? Um, I, I always had it I, th- I think it might have been on the, on the cover art of the edition I had. It almost looked like a high top. Oh, yes. I've seen that. I've seen that picture. Mm. I, I like, I only just noticed when I was researching this question, I only just noticed that the film version is a giant teacup, which is oh. named, uh, which is after the, the, the tea that make a nice warm yes. Brownian motion. I, I think I would, I think I would, I would like the heart of gold if I just wanted to go off in the spirit of, of, of mm-hmm. adventure. I don't think I'd want to take the heart of gold if I had somewhere to actually get to. Mm. Um, and I don't know if we've talked, I don't know if we've addressed this before, but it's certainly only just clicked in my head. It's very TARDIS like in the fact that it, a, it gets nicked <laughs> and B, it does what the hell it wants to do. <laughs> Um, so I don't know if that was something that Douglas was, was known to be riffing on. I, I did sort of Google it and all I could find in terms of comparisons between, uh, the TARDIS and the heart of gold was, um, the various kind of world cups of spaceships people were running mm. where, where they didn't pitted against one another. But, um, yeah, there, there's, there's a certain amount of, um, it's taking you where you need to go rather than where you want to, <laughs> um, which, which wouldn't be useful if you had an appointment to get to. No, indeed. So the name of the ship, the heart of gold. Um, mm-hmm. could refer to the infinite improbability drive mm-hmm. itself. Um, and when you think about it, the Heart of Gold is the only person in the whole story that has purely good intentions. Mm-hmm. Mm. Because nice. she, she picks up the hitchhikers for no real reason apart, well, because of it makes a mass work. Yeah. But um, everyone else is completely indifferent to the fact that the hitchhikers are picked up. It's also mm. um, it's also a name. Uh, do you notice how similar to um, the culture the name is? It is, isn't it? The ship's in the culture. Like so, Enembags has got a series of books, and in it there's a um, a, a culture called the culture, um, and they have ships. But because the ships are all powered by AI, they get to choose their own names. Okay. So they've all got silly names. Well, not silly names, but they've all got like really amazing names that the mm. AIs picked themselves. I have five names here, and. One of them is false. Okay. <laughs> I think this might be a game for John. <laughs> so, culture shit names. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't find my baby. <laughs> no more Mr. Nice Guy. So much for subtlety. Just read the instructions. And, of course, I still love you. Now, did you make uh, one of those up, or are they from somewhere else? I made one of those up. John, what do you think? What, what class is just read the instructions, Danny? What class of ship is it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't have the. Um, I don't uh, have the material in front of me. Just read the. Just read the instructions. Just read the instructions. I'm going to go for. I can't find my baby. Oh, Mark, you know me so well. Yeah. It is. I can't find my oh. baby. I, I, Interesting. I just didn't think. I just didn't think you'd put the the one that you made up up front. That's all. <laughs> the game theory. Yeah, that, that that was that was my clever tactic. Yes, um, that was that was clever. I was going to name it. I've been around the world and I I, 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 I can't I. find my baby. <laughs> <laughs> but I that's a bit too far. <laughs> Interestingly enough. Mm. Oh, Muskie named two of his drones. Just read the instructions, and of course, I still love you. Oh, did he? After, after the culture ships, yeah. He also oh, proposed, that makes me feel even more bitter about everything. <laughs> it, 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 prepare to be even more embittened. 
He also proposed that in his new Martian infrastructure, one of the transport ships that takes people to Mars is going to be called the Heart of Gold. <sighs> old Muskie, what are you up to? Why are you up to Old Muskie? Mm. You know why I call him Old Muskie? <laughs> no. <laughs> there, was an, there was an Onion um, mock-up of a uh, Weekender-like magazine, and right. it had a big picture of Elon Musk with the right. quote, literally no one ever calls me that. We interview Old Muskie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and now, here's something for masochists. Heavily modified face flannels is a terse work by Frapgads on the subject of towels. This one is for the whole panel again. Um, if you were an interstellar hitchhiker, how would you modify your towel? Well, I happen to have my very own ethnic towel, believe it or not. Did you say ethnic <laughs> towel? I did indeed say that I have an ethnic towel, Danny. An ethnic um, towel. Would you like to know more? Especially, especially if it veers into casual racism. No, 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 no. It's my ethnicity, so I can't be, I can't, I, I can't be racist about my own ethnicity, Daniel. Okay, tell me more about your <laughs> ethnic towel. <laughs> okay, um, we have something in Guernsey called a wrap. W R A P. Hang on, which, Guernsey isn't a race, mate. My people have struggled for many years. <laughs> what with what with cows? <laughs> in Ger- so in in Guernsey, we um, we spend a lot of time on the beach, and so uh, it's so it's that's all you've got. Part. It's like it's what a five mile island. It's an inevitable part of our culture. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, we're, 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 we're beach bullying you now. We're culture. That you always know where your towel is, <laughs> and that your towel will often be a wrap, which is. A towel that your mum has made for you by going to the haberdashery uh, or the fabric shop. You go, you you two would go to the rag market. Mm-hmm. We didn't have such a thing. And you get a length of of toweling material. And what your mum does is that she takes the one uh, short end, the other short end, brings them back across to each other, and sews them to make a seam. So now you have like a circular towel. And then oh. she gets a bit of elastic. And she makes a hem in the, the circumference of the circle that she's made with elastic. And what you do is when you're on the beach, you pop that over your head and you wear it like a big towel dress. And it keeps you very, very warm after you come out from the sea. And people can't see your knackers when you get in your pants back on. I saw a variation of this, which was two towels stitched together at one of the short ends and a head hole made for it. Oh, that's uh, quite... So some sort of towel poncho. Yeah, yeah. So you're like a cowboy of the beach. And I was very, very down for that. Yeah, that was that was amazing. Some people's mums put armholes in theirs, um, yeah. in their in, the, in their wraps. I never had an armhole one. You just had to wear it underneath your armpits, like it was you know kind of a slightly loose dress that you were wearing underneath <laughs> the armpits, like a girl coming out of a bath. Yeah, yeah. Do you have one for your I head mean, where you I can might. wrap your hair up as well? <laughs> I mean, Danny, you know, speak for yourself. Maybe maybe I like to wear a towel under my armpits, mate. You know, it's 2018, buddy. Oh no, I'm 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 still bound for doing that like towel poncho thing. I'm, I'm yeah. Well, I'm, I've, I've I've put in the show notes um, some instructions on how to make a wrap, and it is correctly designated as being a Guernsey ethnic towel. So um, yeah, I, I do come from uh, I do come from a people, a rich culture. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Only because it's a tax haven. <laughs> Don't get me on that. We haven't got the time. Um, I do come from uh, from a people who do know how to modify a towel to their own to their own ends. I love this about you. Um, now, uh, before we continue, oh look, a herring sandwich. I like herring sandwiches. 
the herring sandwich experiment was conducted millennia ago at the Maximegalon Institute of slowly and painfully working out the surprisingly obvious. A robot was programmed to believe that it liked herring sandwiches and a sandwich was placed in front of it. Whereupon the robot thought to itself, ah, a herring sandwich. I like herring sandwiches. It would then bend over and scoop up the sandwich in its scoop, straighten up, and in so doing, cause the sandwich to slip straight back off the scoop and fall to the floor. Whereupon the robot thought to itself, ah, a herring sandwich, etc. And repeated the same action over and over and over again. And uh, now uh, for analysis and opinion, we turn to our resident sci-fi trope correspondent, John Hickman. John. I don't think they managed to commercialize much from this this robot. Hmm. Um, I, I, I think am I right that it gives us some of the AI that goes into the security bot in um, that's right in the guides offices. So there is some commercial application to it. It's not just blue sky thinking. But I wondered if you could perhaps sell these actually in um, one of those one of those shops that's designed to sell gifts for people who don't need or want anything. Ah. Um, and so you could sell them, you could sell this as like a, a desktop toy, couldn't you? Yes. You, your desk would smell of herring. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> I'm sure it could be modified to be a slightly less pungent sandwich, but it would be very good for the Norwegians. Oh, well, it would, yeah. They they, they, they do enjoy a herring, but they'd, they'd want to eat the herring themselves. Oh, yeah, that's true. And then they'd be... Uh, then they, they could laugh at their... their, their the robot in a, in a cruel derisory way look <laughs> he doesn't ever get the sandwich this robot doesn't know how to pick up a delicious herring sandwich but then if it was a black mirror episode then the then the robot would attack the face to get the sandwich <laughs> i can imagine danny as our resident sort of nihilist quite enjoying one of these yes. quite enjoying watching this robot trying to pick up its sandwich dan what do you think as what as a as a uh, obvious metaphor for life or, just because you didn't, just because you'd enjoy laughing at it, I think <laughs> you've got no problem with anthropomorphization. That you have, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, it, like I see these Boston Dynamics robots, like the the one that's sort of got dog legs, and then someone kicks it, and the robot falls over and gets back up again. And uh, I was watching this with a group of people, and their reaction was to be creeped out by the fact that the robot gets spindly back up again and i was feeling bad for the robot because someone kicked it yeah i was creeped out by the fact that they can casually kick their robot yeah but that that robot dog that robot dog looks exactly the same as the baddie in that episode of black mirror though <laughs> that's what's terrifying about it it's the same i didn't get that episode you didn't no you didn't watch it you didn't get it um I, I i watched it and um i it 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 was very good and very well produced uh but it i don't get what is <laughs> It's not really for me to say this because, you know, I can't create a very successful TV show, but I didn't see what business that particular episode had uh, in the, in that particular series um, because it was just a sort of faceless robot. The whole point that I see of Black Mirror is that it's about um, the, the screens. It's about technology that we look at rather than just robots that are being mean. But it's also probable that there was something I missed. I find Black Mirror so boring. Really? Oh, okay. So boring. So like, it's just tales of the unexpected by Ronald Dahl, but with technology. Did and you see Ronald Dahl? Yeah, Ronald Dahl. He wrote tales of the unexpected. Okay. He did. Well, sorry, no, no, no. Sorry, Danny. We're, you're being you're you're being cruelly laughed at because there isn't an N in in Ronald. Well, there there is an N in Ronald, but Ronald isn't his name. Yeah, I don't know how to say the name properly. Oh well, that's fine. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> 
It's one of those ones that I always kind of even oh, mumble nobody, through. Or, nobody knows. Because it's not a real name. Nobody knows how to say it, it but the, the better strategy is to kind of just mangle the O and the A and the L together and hope for the best. Not just put extra letters in and make it a different Nah, fuck it. <laughs> nah. I don't, I, no, it just tells of the unexpected. And they don't earn the twists sometimes. Like, if you have a nice twist, you've got to not see it coming, but look back and go, of course, I should have saw that coming. Whereas with Black Mirror, it's all like, oh, I'm I'm chatting to someone on a dating app and, uh, oh, it's my mom and my mom's a robot and now I'm a robot. It's like, oh, God, I don't... I missed that episode. Just, yeah, something like that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I get bored very easily. <laughs> yeah. And now I only happen to be introducing another segment. Hig Hurtenflurst is the mastermind of the Shoe Event Horizon. He only happens to be the risingest young executive in the Dolman Saxlow Shoe Corporation. He only happened to have masterminded the entire rationalisation of the planet Brontetal to total shoe orientation. He only happens to be sitting on top of the biggest development deal in the entire history of footwear, and he only happens to be very deeply disturbed at finding his planet riddled with subversives bent on undermining the whole structure of the Dolman Saxlow operation. Oh, Danny, um, who would win in a fight between Hig Hurtenflurst, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos? I think, I don't think the the point is who would win. I think that inevitably in a capitalist system, they would fight. Like, glad- <laughs> Ooh. like gladiators in the arena, they would be the less, last man standing. In a, in, in a system of unchecked growth and unrivaled um, greed and, and the just the innate need to control everything. Mm-hmm. It will come down to like three or four people fighting with robots, or you know, like they they would take their technologies and pit them against each other in some sort of battle royale. Including there, and I hate this term. It makes me sick to my stomach. Human resources. Ugh. Human resources. Think about that. Think about Ugh. what Jeff Bezos does in in the Amazon uh, warehouses. They are human resources. Ugh. That is that is chilling and actually real. Well, Elon definitely doesn't want to have any human resources if he can help it. So uh, I guess maybe Jeff's slightly nicer <laughs> in that regard. Uh, he also makes shoes. Does he? I think he. I think. I think he. Un- uh, um, Bezos. I think he runs Zappos. Oh yeah, he does. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I thought you meant he just as like you knew that he made shoes in his spare time. Like yes, he's a he's a, he's a cobbler. cobbler. Jeff the he's cobbler. A millionaire cobbler. Yeah. yeah, I like to unwind at the weekend with a bit of cobbling. Stretch those mm-hmm. boots for you, sir. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine that? You go to his yacht and like he wants to take you around, and like he just pulls out a shoe, <laughs> like an Italian loafer. And he goes, "What do you think about that?" And you're like, "It's a very nice shoe." And he went, "I made that." <laughs> it is totally, it is totally the sort of hobby that the super rich elite would randomly get into. You know, it's like the fact that, that all these people in Hollywood randomly support Aston Villa. It's just kind of like. <laughs> Bizarre activities for people that have no context, no, no bearing in their real world context. Yeah, well, yeah, you know, we're going to go down to uh, to the Musk's uh, farm this weekend, and when we get there, we're going to whittle canoes. Um, <laughs> are, you, are you going down to the Musk Ranch? Musk Ranch. Well, what I was going to say about Elon Musk, though, um, when you compare him to Hig Hurton first, <clears throat> like Higgs, Higgs got a CV. I'm not sure. Do we know what Elon Musk? He just seems to have arrived fully formed, doesn't he? As a man, he, he, was, he was the, he was PayPal. Uh, yeah, he was PayPal, right? But that's not that's not like having a CV or a track record. It's a pretty big track no, record. No, from, no, no, right? He did a thing, and he arrived in the mm-hmm. world, 
able to to deliver a thing as far as I'm concerned. He didn't what what was his Saturday job is what I'm saying, Mark. Where where did he where did he work the summer? What was his first job? Where did he do a shitty filing job where he turned up half drunk all the time? What what else has he done? Because he just seems to have turned up and been incredibly powerful from day one, and that's what, what else has he done? Yeah, I don't, I don't, I, I don't understand this line of inquiry. What big hurting first in the hours before he turned a planet into a planet full of fucking shoe shops? Right? He he did some graft, whereas Elon Musk has just turned up and gone. I own all your money, and now I'm going to space. He built a, a like he built a digital currency. Yes, that's what I'm saying. But how did he get to the point where he was trusted by everybody to be the man who could build a digital currency? You've got to do something else before that. You can't. That, that's not your first job. Yeah, but do you not understand what I'm saying here? Yeah, but I don't understand. Uh, God, our voices have gone so high. I worked hard <clears throat> to get where he is, but Elon Musk just I'm gonna try seems and, to have. I'm going to try and. What? Bring it down again. <clears throat> Ironically enough, he worked in a shoe shop. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> so, like, what under that qualification? What has Jeff Bezos done then? Oh, the same, but he's not—he's not as much of a space rocket wanker. So, I'm going to give him a pass today. Okay, so so it's 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 the it's the fact of you ran a web thing and now you own space. The reason why Elon Musk scares me so much is is that he got so much power so quickly from seemingly nothing. I don't know, and that's what I'm saying, I don't really... I don't think it was as quickly as, as you're thinking. I don't really know who he was before that, but he must know people and he must know where they buried bodies because you, you can't get that smoothly through, this, through the system where you can go from inventing PayPal 10 years ago to being in space. That sounds nuts. I think he worked on PayPal for a very, very long time. If you think about how old PayPal really is, you're talking, it's it's more like 20 years ago than it is 10. Okay. So that is a long time to be to be working on a thing. I mean, like, I'm, I'm not a... I'm not a Musk apologist, but I, I, I sort of, yeah, I just didn't follow. Well, I followed your logic. I just didn't agree with it. Like, there's plenty of people who have made their made their money in tech, and we don't know what what they did beforehand because it wasn't of any consequence. Um, and and I'm sure there will be a biography of his life. You know, like. I learned through the Steve Jobs biography that he was adopted and he did a few things. He he worked with some guys at HP to get some parts to build a thing and he had a mate who did freaking and all that kind of stuff. Um but he was kind of Apple all the way through so he didn't have much of a of a story beforehand. So why the Musk needs to be singled out for that. I'm not because, entirely sure because without narrative there is there is a narrative of Apple of it being one of many companies doing those things and being the one that happened to to map the right course and uh, and and I, and I know that story and I know where it's I know it starts with 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 a kid dropping out of college and building stuff in the garage and all, and all those cliches. We haven't got a cliche yet that explains. Hello, I invented an electric car and I put it in space. That we don't know what that narrative is yet, and that confuses me about him. Maybe he did some really sketchy stuff. Yeah, let's let's speculate <laughs> on uh, on a public forum about what uh, what a billionaire might have done. I heard he hunted people. <laughs> <laughs> they are the most dangerous game. Um, mm-hmm. Has anyone yet took a bunch of biographies and fed them into the machine learning computer <laughs> and um, <laughs> published a biography of a random famous person that is just machine learning? Having having heard some of what has come out of machine learning. Um, I'm not sure it would be eligible, not eligible, legible. I'm not sure it would be actually um, readable sentences at this point. Uh, but give it a few more years, and and you know, Musk is probably working on a system. No, in fact, it'll be it'll be Bezos. He'll be working on so, some sort of AI. By the way, we're driving all the Americans crazy with by pronouncing it like it 
like the letters that are there. What, um, why? Why? What do they say? Yeah. Uh, oh, you get Bezos. Oh, I thought you meant AI. Sorry. <laughs> no, AI. I, I, <laughs> yeah, I, I, imagine if they imagine if they did. Imagine going to a computer conference if all Americans pronounced it. I. <laughs> So uh, we're really excited to present to you today. We've been working very hard on our. I. What What are the rules of the engagement? Are they gonna? Is it gonna be sort of everyone has to fight everybody, um, and then the person who does the worst in the qualifying round loses, and then there's a, then there's a final, or is it just going to be a Royal Rumble? No, I think I think it should be a Royal Rumble. Yeah, I think um, in the blue, the red, and the and the green corner. Are they going to be in a catch? I think so. I mean, I mean, I'm still not sure that it will be them. I, I think it's probably going to be them inside giant mechs. Okay. Uh, that, that's the only way I can think that it's probably going to going to work. I'm going to go for Muskie because he's from South Africa, and I've never met a person from South Africa that isn't nails. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I second that. Although, uh, you know, be- bees. No, don't worry. Oh, there was a joke okay. in my head, and it didn't. As it got to my lips, it didn't make any sense. Fuck it. <laughs> I was going to try and make some joke about Bezos. Delivering package, delivering his blows a day after you order them or something. Just to do his shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice that we got a peek into your mind. <laughs> so it could be that uh, you know every time he tries to, de- de- oh, shitting hell, this joke is cursed. <laughs> it goes next door every time he tries to. Every time Jeff Bezos tries to land a punch on me, it goes next door. There's just a little card that says J- Jeff Bezos tried to punch you, um, but you were out. Uh, and that is all the show we're prepared to give you this week. Uh, you can find John on Twitter at John Hickman. You can find Danny at Probably Drunk. And you'll find me at I Am Stedman. We will be back in a week with a super intelligent shade of the colour blue. So until then, share and enjoy. Last week, John said that um, he uh, didn't. Oh, can't, I can't remember what it was, but it was something about sentiments. So you know, we, we just, we just, we just went through. We just carried on. So none of us can say words. It's just that because I'm the presenter of the show, I have um, editing carte blanche, and so I get to edit out my fuck ups. <laughs> the yeah, no, Black Mirror rubbish. Ronald like, Dahl just... has gained sentience. <laughs> sentiments. Sent- Executive. Oh, now I won't be able to say that word now. Executive like, sentiments. Both, both <laughs> things will be equally wrong in my mind. Could we make a syphysis? Syphysis? Oh, there, yeah, I knew I shouldn't have done this. Sorry, mate. Syph- uh, go on. John, go on, say it. What? Synthesis. Syphysis. The, 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 the guy rolling the rock up and down the hill. Syphysis. 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 <laughs> it's, it used to be called Jesus. Ronald Dahl Ronald Dahl's <laughs> pushing a stone up a hill change <sighs> Sisyphus that's the bunny Ronald yeah. McDonald it's it's a very veiled Sisyphus Sisyphus I haven't even been drinking it's the afternoon no it's really hard to say I can I can. it's fine I couldn't say statistics last week um, do, do we need to let Sisyphus. Danny get that one out clean without us <laughs> No, because it'll go on the end. (laughs) We've got the outtake sorted.